0: Good morning, good morning. Go and look at your neighbor, person on your right, person on your left. Just go and say, I'm glad you made it today. Go and let them know. Yeah, man, I'm so glad that you're here. You guys have been singing great, you're looking fantastic. Go and take your Bibles, turn in, turn on your Bibles to Ecclesiastes. We've been there for, this is our third Sunday. The book of Ecclesiastes, go to Psalm and take a right. It's right after Proverbs. Ecclesiastes, we'll be in chapter 5 in just a minute. Just kind of a reminder if you're you're kind of new, maybe you're watching at home and you're just tuning in for the first time, maybe you just moved into the upstate of South Carolina, hey, welcome home. Uh, If you get on Facebook, all these other groups, they'll probably be like, go back where you came from. That's not what we're going to say, all right? I'm grateful. I'm actually a transplant, all right? I came seven years ago. Amy and I came from uh, the, the promised land of Georgia, all right? And uh, we have absolutely fell in love with uh, the upstate of South Carolina. It's a wonderful place to, uh, to live and, and uh, raise a family. But also, you have come to a church I believe you're going to fall in love with too. And uh, so today, we're grateful you're here. Hey, First Baptist Center Upstate, would y'all just uh, join me in welcoming all our guests here today? Man, we're so glad you guys are here. But hey, this being your first time, all right, if you're a guest, you may leave going, man, I knew it, yeah, yeah, this the way you go to church, all they want to talk about is money. Today is uh, treasure, all right, we've been in a three-part series on time, talent, and treasure, and so today, that is what we're talking about, how we invest our treasure, but my commitment to you is, I promise you, that's not 52 weeks a year, all right, we don't talk about giving all the time. But it would be errant. It would be a huge mistake uh, not to talk about giving, because several reasons. Number one, the Scripture talks about giving an awful lot. All right, and a lot of people take it out of context. We're not a health, wealth, prosperity gospel church. In fact, we think that is heresy. We don't even want to hold back on that. All right, it's not uh, biblical to say that if you give a hundred bucks, God will give you a thousand dollars. All right, that's that's bull. That's what we call it. You know where I come from. Um, but, uh, but here's what we do know. God, no less, expects us to give generously, period. And then look, I, over the years, it's been hard to talk about giving. It's always an awkward conversation. It's a tough message. Nobody likes the conversation less than the preacher preaching about it. But I've learned over the years it's a responsibility of mine as your pastor. And so, look, again, next week, uh, just so you know, we're actually going to start a series called Winning the War of Your Mind and that series will give you an idea. Again, if you're brand new, uh, man, we, we have a, a wide range of, of things we deal with. Sometimes walk through a book verse by verse. But today, we're looking at how we invest our treasure. But in particular, for the sake the, of the series, second series I'm going to emphasize time, talent, and treasure. Because that's what we've been talking about. And that's what the Lord's interested in when it comes to how we invest our lives. We can tell what we think about the work of God as well as what we think about ourselves when we answer the question, how are we investing our time, our talent, our treasure? At the end of the day, we're really balancing attention, all of us, every day, including this preacher, man. We're balancing attention between our pleasure and his purpose. All right, You could sum up the whole series in this. Where you spend your time, it really is going to be determined, uh, in large part, By which you care about most, your own pleasure or God's eternal purpose. So, where you spend your time, where you invest your talent, and where you invest your treasure, your resources, is going to be answered by that question which do I care about more, my pleasure or his purpose? And so, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, we're gonna begin and we're gonna look at three lessons, all right? That's pretty simple, pretty straightforward today. We're not going to hear anything we probably don't already know, but we're going to hear a lot of stuff we knew that we've forgotten. We're going to hear stuff that we need to be reminded of regularly. And look, don't run from it. Do not run from it, man, because we're talking about money. Lean into it, all right? And I promise you, God's going to speak to you. It's not going to be a guilt trip. I don't do guilt trips, all right? But we want the Holy Spirit of God to convict us. And it doesn't matter if, if you're wealthy or you're poor. This is a word for all of us today. Ecclesiastes 5, look at verse 10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Would you read that with me? He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. With goods increase, they increase who eat them. <laughs> so the more money you got, the more kids you have. That's kind of what that sounds like to me. With, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their, own, uh, their owner but to see them with his own eyes? Sweet is the sleep of the laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. First lesson, really simple, right off the bat, is this. You will never have enough to satisfy. Now, look, over seven years being your pastor, I've said that a lot of different ways in various messages when we're talking about things we possess. But it is the truth, and we all know it. And that is that the stuff we have isn't good enough. It doesn't matter what it is. Most of us will have another desire for the next step. No matter what step we find ourselves on, we always want more. Now, that doesn't make you an evil person. It makes you a human being. It is the human condition. It's the flesh we wrestle with. It is the tension that we're managing this tension between, do I please myself or do I live for the purpose of God? And every one of us, it doesn't matter who you are. Um, if you're 17 or you're 70, it may seem like it gets easier the older you get. That's, again, bull. Y'all all right? All right, that's bull. Because the older you get, maybe the things you desire change Maybe you, you want to go on you know go go eat buffets and country buffets a little bit more than you did when you were seventeen, and maybe you don't you know download iTunes music. Our preferences change the older we get, but that somehow that thing inside of us that wants to please itself it never goes away, man. It's called the flesh. It's part of us that we're to die to every day, every day. And I think Christians get super confused because when we come to Jesus, we're justified. But then we start this process that we call sanctification. It's it's a biblical idea that God is in the process of shaping us into um, His Son, Jesus Christ. We're like Jesus. We're, We're not becoming Jesus, but Jesus is ultimately inside of our hearts. And as we surrender to Him, we become more like Him. And so this is a sanctifying process. And so God's working on us. And part of what He has to work on in our hearts and our lives is dying to our pleasure... And our desire to invest everything we have—time, talent, treasure—in our pleasure, and invest it instead into the purpose of God. So this isn't just about money; it really is about everything that we are. You will never have enough stuff. Listen to this uh, this uh, uh, this quote from F. B. Meyer. He said, "God has set eternity in our hearts, and a man's infinite capacity cannot be filled or satisfied with the things of time." And since, listen to F.F. Bruce, the soul's deepest thirst for God himself, I'm sorry, the soul's deepest thirst is for God himself, he has, uh, he, who has made us so that we cannot uh, be satisfied without him. So what's that mean? God's almost kind of set us up, all right? He has created every one of us with a hole, and you've probably even heard we've got a God-sized hole inside of us. And only he can fill it. And so we can go and chase all this stuff. We can think the raise or the promotion. We can think when we drive that car or when we own that house or when we do this or that, somehow it's going to satisfy us. But here's the thing. We've been set up in a spiritual sense that God has made us all dependent on him. He's made us all hungry for him. He's the only one. Look, we've got this hole there. We've got this massive need for more and the only one the only thing that can satisfy that longing is him and so here's the thing even after we have him now many of us would be like oh yeah Wayne absolutely I know that and that's why I came to Jesus because knowing Jesus fills that void and I want to agree with you 100% when we come to Jesus he does satisfy that This whole, like, the blood of Jesus, sacrifice on the cross, all of that for sure satisfies our sin debt. But here's what you and I both know. We wake up on Monday, and we still want stuff. I don't care how spiritual you are. Don't look spiritual at me. You know what I mean? I don't care how spiritual, how long you've come to church. Doesn't matter if you're a deacon. Doesn't matter if you're a pastor. The fact of the matter is, you still wake up, and oftentimes have these longings of the flesh to to have this, to do that. And we're going to talk about in a minute, that's not always terrible. It's not always bad. But we battle this tension, my pleasure, his purpose. My pleasure, his purpose. And so it literally is in the act of sanctification, a daily dying. I have to wake up and make a decision in the morning. This day is his. This day is not mine. You have to wake up every day. I wish we could do it one time a month, but we can't. Every day, got to wake up and God, would you help me every decision I make? God, would you help me do it for your purpose and not my pleasure alone? God, would you use my resources for your purpose, not my pleasure? God, would you help me invest my time and my talent? I want to be used by you. It's not like a one-time deal. It's not like you become a good, godly person and you make every good decision from now on. No, it's a daily dying. It's a sanctifying work. It's a process, not an event. And so all of us have to really remember this because if not, we forget this simple point. You're never going to have enough to satisfy. It's always going to be something bigger you want, something better you want, the next big thing. And so the hope of earthly expectation will always be higher than the balance of personal experience. What's that mean? You're never going to do enough to satisfy your hope or your expectation. Why? Because God has made us with an emptiness that he alone can fill. So the first lesson is you will never have enough to satisfy. Second, real quick, you cannot take it with you when you go. You cannot take it with you when you go. It doesn't matter how much money you have. When you die, you broke, right? And your kids are rich, amen? That's, that's the way it goes. I mean, if, if you were wealthy when you die, you are no better off before Jesus than the man who was bankrupt for life financially. Your money will not save you. Listen, I don't care how rich you are, how influential you are, no matter how politically persuasive you are, none of that matters when you're standing before a holy God. None of that. No gift is going to get you in heaven. No amount of generosity to the offering plate is going to buy your way. To eternity with Jesus. And so we have to understand in context and, and, and in perspective. We've got to make sure we're not fooling ourselves into thinking that, that our giving somehow. And our, even our wealth somehow can, can buy our way in here or there. That is absolutely not true. Now there are entire denominations. And I would say very formative in the Christian faith around the world that have sold a pack of lies related to somehow you can give a gift, maybe burn a candle, and somehow it it matters to God and others eternally. That is, can I say it again? That's bull, all right? How, how many times can you say bull in one message? I'm not really sure, but that's not true, guys. It doesn't matter how much money you give in the name of someone, you're not going to buy their way to heaven. That is not a biblical principle, and we should not, we should not, even for a minute, believe it. And so I'm not begging you to be generous and giving you something in exchange spiritually that somehow, hey, if you're faithful to God and you give money, that God's going to bless you, that God, God's going to take you to heaven. That's not what the Bible says. Now, the Bible does say in Malachi 3, 8, 9, and 10, speaking of giving, in particular tithing, it says, will a man rob God? That's what the Bible says. Oh, but you've robbed me, he says, in your tithes and offerings. He said, bring your tithes to the storehouse. And what's he say he'll do? He says he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so much on you you can't contain it. That is what the Bible says. Now, we don't want to take that to an extreme, again, of a health, wealth, prosperity gospel to believe that that's necessarily in the form of money. Just because you give money doesn't mean God's going to give you more money. But he will bless you. He will pour out a blessing on you so much you can't contain it. And so this is the word of God. Understanding that you can't take anything with you when you go should change the way we view things. Look at Ecclesiastes 5.13. In verse 13, it says, There's a grievous evil. Say those two words with me. Grievous evil. He didn't just say this is a bad thing, right? He didn't just say there's an evil. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he, and he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil just as he came, so shall he go. Say that with me. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation, sickness, and anger. So Solomon is in my face. Man, he is in your face through the power of the Holy Spirit in verse 13. And he is confronting us, and he's calling this a grievous evil When we misappropriate the resources God has given to us. When we misprioritize, we get things out of order and we put our pleasure ahead of his purpose. See, this is what, look, it's not bad that God has blessed you. God has given you all much. And you may say, preacher, you don't have any idea what you're talking about. I am not rich. I am not wealthy. And you're misunderstanding me. Everything we've been given is a gift from God. And understand this in the scale of all the world, you are a wealthy person. You're a wealthy person. Won't you walk across the lobby and speak with some of those folks who just got back from Honduras? Won't you ask them if you're wealthy or if you're poor? You may think that you have nothing, but in comparison to the vast majority of this planet, you live in luxury. You live in luxury. We visited people in Honduras just a couple weeks ago who had dirt floors, you know. You see through the roof and, and see the sky at night. This idea of even air conditioning and heat. Man, we think that's just normal, right? We don't even think about the fact that we carry a computer in our pocket that we can talk to people and take pictures and video with. It's crazy. We're spoiled rotten, guys. I didn't expect to get any amens from y'all today, all right? But we're spoiled right. Man, we have so much. Poor me. We're spoiled. God has poured out an abundance of blessings on us. And all we can do is complain about the color of the cash in our pocket. It's the wrong shade of green. Maybe the wrong number on it, right? But we are so critical we're so critical of his provision. God has been good to you. I don't have to know your details. God has been better to me than I deserve. So what causes this, this evil tendency? I mean, he calls it a, a grievous evil. Nobody in here wants to, to be guilty of a grievous evil. So, so what causes this grievous tendency, this, this grievous evil tendency? tendency that, that we have, these misunderstandings of worldly treasure. Three things real quickly. I want to give you, these are they're probably 20, but I'm only going to give you three. We keep too much treasure and we mishandle the gifts that God has given to us, oftentimes because of a lack of missional clarity, because we, we lack an understanding. I wanted to use the word ignorant, but it sounds too strong. It's a lack of missional clarity. It's an ignorance of understanding what God has called us to. Because this life, as much as this is not popular to say and and it doesn't tickle our ears, this life is not about us, guys. I mean, it's like, and we're going to read it in a second, it's going to be gone. Before we know it, it's going to be gone. This, This time that God has given us, the talent that he's given you, the treasure that he has given you, Man, we, we've got to wake up and stop wasting it on us. We've got to be conscious of this responsibility that God has given to us to make sure that we remember the mission is the primary thing. It's not just about a mission trip. It's about the mission of the church. It's about the mission of every Christian. See, God's called us to a mission that's bigger than us. A life of a Christian is a life that's bigger than them. It's not about what car you drive, what house you have, it's not about what job you have, how much money's in your bank account. It's like how much of your life is surrendered to God? How much of your life is ultimately centered around and prioritized by a kingdom mentality? At the end of the day, that's the most important question. So oftentimes we just lack missional clarity. The second thing that keeps us from, from investing in the work of God and causes mishandle the resources God has given us is when we don't trust God to provide for us. There's times we hold back giving. There's times we hold back even just being generous because we're just simply afraid of what may happen tomorrow. I mean, I could lose my job. What if if the economy turns bad? I mean, it's turned bad a million times in the past, right? So that's the truth. The truth of the matter is we can't make spiritual decisions based on earthly problems. But this is not to mean we're to be foolish, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But the third thing that holds us back And causes us to mishandle the resources God's given us is is oftentimes because we just truly still believe that the things of this world will satisfy us. We have listened to the whispers of the devil long enough to where we still think, man, if we just owned that, it would be good. I would be happy. If I just had this, no matter what hobby we got, I'm not even going to pick on one hobby. Because I got my own hobbies, right? Right. So we all have hobbies, we all have things. Those things aren't bad, those hobbies aren't bad. And we'll, I hope bring some clarity to that in just a minute. But here's the thing, when when those things, when we picture those hobbies, those those trips, those events, those possessions, that bank account that's for a rainy day that makes us feel better, all of that, when we view all of that stuff as the primary goal and not just things that God's given us to enjoy, that's when we get way off track. And so here's the thing we have to remember. Go back to point number one. The fact of the matter is that you will never have enough to satisfy. None of us are ever going to have enough to satisfy. And we can't take any of it with us when we go. And so the fact of the matter is we have to be confronted with this reality. Um, The truth is God's not, most likely, not calling any of us in this room, to sell everything we have and live on the street and be homeless. That's not necessarily what God is calling us to do. He's not calling us to a vow of poverty. So we're not talking about that. I want to be clear. God does not want us to be irresponsible with the things He's given us. He's not called us to squander it, even to give everything to the church or to give everything uh, to the causes of Christ. He He definitely called us to to give our lives completely to God and to allow Him to have control over everything we have. But but He's not calling us to to give everything. But here's the thing we got to remember. We can't take anything with us when we go. Have you ever seen, I think this is a country song, have you ever seen a a hearse with a trailer hitch? Anybody? Anybody? Chances are if you saw a hearse with a trailer hitch, it was probably also of a funeral home with a double-wide trailer in South Alabama. Amen? That's most likely. Uh, but the hearse, the doesn't. Somebody after after the second service came came up to me and said, "Hey, I actually did see a hearse with a trailer hitch. It was pulling a U-Haul trailer one time." And I was like, "Well, you're the only one. I've never seen a hearse with a trailer hitch." But but hey, maybe it happens. But you know why there's not a trailer hitch on a hearse? Because you can't take anything with you when you go. First Timothy chapter six and verse seventeen. Look what Paul says: "As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty." nor to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. I want you to look at that word, enjoy, at the end of verse 17. Verse 18, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, speaking eternally, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. And so this leads us really to the third and final thing. You never have enough to satisfy. You cannot take it with you when you go. And then third and final, you can either use your money or your money will use you. This is true of every one of us. It doesn't matter how long we've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how much we come to church. We can still allow money and the love of money to overtake us. And ultimately calls us to misappropriate the resources that God has given to us. Look at verse 18. Ecclesiastes 5, 18. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given to him. For this is his lot. What's verse 18 saying? Man. We all have a different life, all right? And we don't have to think it's fair, but some people have more than others. Some people were born to money, and other people were not born to money. Some people got great opportunities, and they were exposed to things that allowed them to get a leg up in life. Some people had parents that sent them to better schools than other people. Look, you can like that or not. Here's the fact. that, that God never promised for everything to be fair. This world is not fair. And really, our goal should not be primarily to try to make everything fair in this life. Our goal should be to push everybody toward Jesus Christ. Because he's the only one that's going to actually bring the contentment to the heart that they're looking for. And so look, the, the, the materialistic goods, the, the amount of money we make, all of that's going to be wanting. And this is what he's saying in verse 18. He said, look, this is their lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. What's the gift of God? Being content with what you've got. Not wishing. Because look, it's one thing to be content with what you've got and actually be responsible with the things that God has given to you. Your time, your talent, your treasure. All right. Because here's the fact. I'm not a good enough singer to be the worship leader. All right? Now, I could sit around and be really sad about that the rest of my life. Now, in the shower, when I'm singing, I really enjoy it. Amen? You know what I mean? I, I, like, I think I can sing pretty good. But they never let me sing on the praise team. I don't know why. But here's the thing. You know, some of us have certain talents. Some of us don't have those talents. And we can be upset because my lot in life was not to be a worship leader. All right? Or your lot in life was not to be the president of some institution or your lot in life was not to, to have this great job where you make a million dollars a year, all right? So we could, we could spend our life in a lack of contentment and being upset with God because he didn't give us what he gave other people. But here's the thing, what Solomon is saying, you're wasting your life if that's what you do. If you just sit around and look at everybody else and, and, and just with envy and greed, listen, with envy and greed, You live a miserable life because you're not happy with what God's given to you. God forbid that be a child of God. God has blessed you. God has blessed me. And we should not spend an ounce of our energy, a breath from our lungs with a lack of contentment with what God has given to us. Look, God has poured out on us richly. And oftentimes, even if we want to push back at that, it proves it's all the more. That we are oblivious to the gifts of God. That we are somehow ignorant to the blessings that God has given to us. That we have a bed to sleep in. That we are not going hungry. Just look around. Nobody's starving in this room, All right, We're not lacking the ability to live. God has given us great things. And we should be appreciative of those things. But here's the fact. God does give us things in part for our enjoyment. This is where we're going to shift gears for just a minute because it's going to be something you don't hear a lot of pastors talk about or a lot of preachers talk about. We would have to ignore the Scripture. We'd have to ignore the Word of God to not see that the word enjoyment is mentioned twice in Ecclesiastes 5 and it's mentioned in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 too. He said He richly provides for us in verse 17 of 1 Timothy 6. He richly provides for us with everything to enjoy. So God has given you stuff to enjoy it. He has given you a job. He's given you money. He's given you uh, uh, possessions, material goods to enjoy them. And so I don't want you to hear me say that God doesn't want you to, to enjoy things. Look, God's not sitting up there, ladies, and every time you go to the mall and buy another outfit, he's checking a box and saying, oh, 10 points off right there, right? Now, every woman, I'd be like, that's right, preacher, preach it, preach it. Because he's not, he's not measuring things on individual purchases as much as he is on a collective scale. What are you doing? What's your priority? All right? God is not saying don't go on vacations. Our priorities with the kingdom is not don't enjoy trips, don't see the world. This may shock you. God's not saying, don't buy a second home, all right? You may say, well, how in the world would God honor that kind of extravagance? Well, depending on how much someone has, that's not very extravagant. The fact of the matter is, the question is not what are you spending it on or what purchases are you making, but where's your priority in life? What is, what is your obvious priority? When you look at and here's what I, I man. I I hesitate to say it this way because I don't want you to take me the wrong way. I have met greedy, wealthy people, and I've met greedy, poor people. I've met generous, overwhelmingly giving wealthy people, and I've met generous, overwhelmingly giving poor people. How committed you are to Christ and what you do with your time, your talent, your treasure has little to do with how much money you have. It's about what you're doing with that which God has given to you. And so this whole conversation, this whole series about our time, our talent, and our treasure is less about individual snapshots and a whole lot more about what are you doing collectively with the life God's given you. Because here's what happens in the snapshot. In the snapshot, we want to investigate people's lives. And we want to we uh, say, oh, they bought too big of a house. Or, or that, that ring's too big that he bought her. <laughs> Oh my goodness, or or that car's just too extravagant. Yeah, I know y'all are just sitting there going, I don't know who says those kind of things, but it's not me. Oh, bless your heart, bless your heart. Just a little more spiritual than everybody else in the room. Let me just go and say, fact of the matter is, I've been guilty. All right, I can't believe the pastor would be guilty of judgment. Man, we've all been judgmental. See, it's subjective, and we all have different we all have different views of what is subjectively excessive. So here's at the end of the day. I have to do this, you have to do it. Get get our eyes off of other people. Stop evaluating the decisions that other people make with that which God has given to them. And why don't we just be content with what God's given us? Let's be content. And then let's properly acknowledge that it's stuff that all comes from Him. Our time, our talent, and our treasure. If it's not for Him, I don't live another day. My time is in His hands. My talent, hey, I may not be a worship leader, but I can do some stuff, okay. So I should give the talent that God has given to me with all that I can for all of my life. And then treasure. Subjectively, man, there's different levels of amounts of money. God does not require equal gifts. He does require equal sacrifice. This is just a spiritual principle for all of us. We've got to get our eyes off of other people. And we've got to come back to the point to where we're doing business with God in our own hearts, and our own lives. Our use of the treasures God provides is not only judged in individual, but collective measures. And so with all that in mind, look, God does not just call you to be charitable. He calls you to be obedient. And I want to read a passage in closing. Matthew 6, 19. A lot of times when we think about this passage, we think only of money. But closing out the three-week series of time, talent, and treasure, this is applicable in all these areas of our lives. And here's what Jesus himself said in Matthew 6, 19. He said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So my challenge to you today, closing the series out, is not to give God the rest of your life, but give him the best of your life. Give God your best time. Give God your best talent. And give God your best treasure. This is not the call of super-Christianity. It is the call to follow Jesus. Would we be found faithful? Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for your word, the challenge of the scripture. It's never liked. God, every time we open it, we're convicted. We can't run from it. And I know, God, money's the message nobody wants to hear. Nobody ever wants to hear it and, and if we're honest preachers don't really enjoy preaching on money because they know it's not popular but Lord it matters and God even on a day like today it tells a lot about what we value and who we are and what we prioritize in our lives so God would you convict us all to give our all to you what if God what if all of us gave you everything we are in the areas of our time, our talent, and our treasure. Would you show us that we would change the upstate of South Carolina for the glory of God? Bless, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?